Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> Here's why. And a Merry Christmas. Enthusiastic John Palmer. Yes. Um, you know, you know uh, what I'm enthusiastic about is our fine uh, sponsor, uh, Mr. John Blickman himself. Indeed, yes. With uh, all those those great uh, inventions of his, uh, you know, everybody's heard about the uh, the beer gun, the Tower of Power, the uh, the Terminator, the Boilermaker, the yeah. I mean, you know, great names too. And uh, you know, great guy, great company, and they're sponsoring the show, paying for it, so you don't have to. Uh, so check them out at BlickmanEngineering.com and uh, see all the goodies they have there. And if you haven't ever heard of any of these things they mentioned, then you're probably just starting out in homebrewing. And uh, it's something that's well worth checking out. Like I said, BlickmanEngineering.com. You can even, uh, if you appreciate that Blickman Engineering is paying for the show, you can uh, send an email to feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com and tell them how much you appreciate the uh, the gift that they have given you. The gift of wonder, the gift of uh, knowledge, the gift yes. of uh, entertainment. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah. And beer. And beer. The gift of beer. Gift of great beer. Speaking of great beer, uh, Porno Steve, uh, <clears throat> how's your uh, your beer coming along? Have you brewed more? Yeah. Um, brewed a pail that pretty much just stopped uh-huh. fermentation after the first day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think. Well, who knows? I mean, uh-huh. I don't you know. Put we'll yeast see. in. Yeah. At some point, you saw it was fermenting. Yep, yep. It was and going well the first it, and day, and then not. second day just okay. No, so we'll we'll see. I would I would have a couple questions for you. One is, what was the starting gravity? Did you check? I'd, I'd have to. I don't know. <laughs> did you check, and you just don't remember? Yeah, or I did. did you I, rem- I remember checking, and I just have no idea. I forgot. Okay. I did it with someone else, and we all wrote this stuff down. But okay. Because if it's because if it's in a yeah, fairly way to, light to uh, wort, mm-hmm. um, and the temperature is warm, are you controlling your fermentation temperature? Or are you still doing of the thing? Of course where not. Because <laughs> if it gets hot, and sometimes fermentation will cause it to get hot, uh-huh. it'll finish out really quick. Okay. Yeah. You know, it can fermentation can take twenty four hours. Yeah. It you know, did it start out pretty warm. Six hours. It did start out pretty warm. Yeah. See, that's probably the problem. It can taste. Um, a little bit like rocket fuel. Mm. <laughs> Can't wait. So, yeah, yeah, that's um, so. You know, one of the things in distilling, they're all hey, ferment this thing out. Should be done in thirty six hours, and you should have your tank free to mm-hmm. do another one. 
because they they'll ferment like 90 degrees and let it rip Jeez. and uh, it'll just yeah. ferment out and they don't really care what it tastes like yeah it's and, been about three weeks now so yeah. and now yeah, we'll see we'll, we'll take a little so we'll wait, take a little wait, reading wait. of it 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 finished off in a day i just let it hang two. out yeah and so you've left it sitting there for three more weeks yep <laughs> okay probably not the thing to do as well <laughs> um because the yeast in the bottom of that fermenter is going to kind of uh, uh, start to They're die. They're going to get bored. And mm. uh, start vomiting up, essentially, their guts. So you really got to watch beer. it. <laughs> yeah, you really want to rack it off. Uh, you can leave it for a while, especially if it's cold. You can leave it, uh, you know, for a few extra It's cold days. now. You know, it's pretty cold. You wanna, but you generally want to get it off there before a week is up, you know. Mm. Uh, otherwise, it'll rot into your beer, and it's going to taste terrible. Okay, so good to know. Go. So you rock the more fuel, you know. <laughs> Rocket rock fuel, fuel with dead meat. beer. <laughs> yes. Um, how are you getting your recipes? Um, this one, I think we just—it was kind of like a leftover, whatever we have leftover beer, uh-huh. kind of a thing. Okay. All right. In ratio. Whatever we we're like, okay, we have some of this, some of this. Let's do. Let's just put all these sounds, together. Sounds like it's a guaranteed <laughs> surefire winner. No, I'm just saying. I bet you, you plan I'll bring on you enter, some. entering this to competition. <laughs> you got your beer gun to fill some bottles. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll bring you some. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. This sounds great. Okay. Yeah. Well, on this show. John's got some advice for those of you about uh, creating recipes. So uh, today we're going to go over John's uh, uh, recipe design, uh, you know, basics for starters, for people, people uh, you know, trying to produce their own recipes, the things to, to look out for, the things uh, not to uh, worry about, um, just some good, solid advice for, you know, instead of let's just throw some stuff together. Um, a, a more measured, my way, I guess. more measured way to do it. Now, see, how, it all in there. How did I know that your story would lead right into uh, the the topic of the day? I don't know. Just, uh, you know, it's, it's like, almost like we plan these shows like a, or something. No, no, no. no. Just throw it all it's in. It's just I, I took a shot. See, there you I go. Figured, see, that's exactly figured, what I did. I figured, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, just there. take a shot. Okay. Take a shot. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, John, what's what's the uh, what's the what's the idea? The basic idea behind basic recipe idea? design? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think uh, before I go into all the details, let's get some philosophy mm. put in place. Some, and you know, my top five list for brewing great beer. You know, number one, sanitation. Mm-hmm. Number two, fermentation temperature control. Mm-hmm. Number three, yeast management. Mm-hmm. You know, because as you know, the the bad the the good fermentation of a bad recipe is going to make a better beer than the bad fermentation of a good recipe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, fermentation is very key, uh, and so you need the first three priorities to get that set. Uh, number four is the vigor and health of your boil. You, you know, you got to cook the got to cook the wort um, well uh, to get the flavors you want. So that's number four. Mm. Number five is the recipe. Mm-hmm. 
And so there's where you want good recipe proportions. Uh, but that's, you know, that's number five on the list. That's like the last thing. So, again, um, good fermentation of a bad recipe, bad recipe is going to make a better beer than the poor fermentation of a good recipe. Mm. Um, so um, the, first, the first priority then when it comes to a good recipe is uh, your proportions. And um, I can go into this now, or we could do our first break and then come back. Uh, and, let's take and, a let's take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk more about uh, John's uh, recipe design uh, right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, More Beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Check out their brand new patent-pending mash and boil 110-volt electric mashing and boiling unit. This compact all-stainless unit lets you mash, sparge, and boil just about anywhere that has a 110-volt plug. Double-wall construction adds to efficiency and safety, and a precise thermostat keeps temperatures where you want them. Unlike insulated buckets and converted coolers, multiple temperature rest mashing is easy to do all for under 300 bucks they also feature the mark ii work pump a magnetic drive high temperature pump that does the work of pumps that cost twice as much as well as exclusive brewer's edge regulators and quality keg king kegs and disconnects check them out today at williamsbrewing.com to bruise their vast selection 
Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five Star Treatment today. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. I wanted to tell you about uh, White Labs Pure Liquid Yeast. Pure Liquid Yeast means uh, better beers. White Labs boasts the highest concentration of yeast in the industry thanks to their patented flex cell technology and pure pitch packaging. The yeast contained and delivered... Using these innovations are propagated in all grain wort, providing the perfect nutrients for growth and optimal performance. With White Lab Superior Liquid Yeast, your finished beers will meet the high-quality flavor profiles that you intend to produce. Discover the White Lab's difference. Visit whitelabs.com slash yeastbank to find the perfect strain for your next beer. All right. Uh, yeast, important part of uh, uh, recipe development, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Uh, before the break, you were going to talk about uh, uh, grain bill proportions. You had some uh, general guidance on that. Right, right. Well, you know, I, I like to think of um, creating beer recipes like creating sandwich recipes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you think of any sandwich, whether it's peanut butter and jelly or, you know, something from Togo's, you know, you start with the bread, you know, you want a good, high-quality bread. Uh, this is, in essence, your base malt, mm-hmm. and because it forms, you know, the majority of the sandwich. Um, then you add your signature ingredient, you know, that kind of defines the style. So, ham and cheese sandwich, you know, ham, um, roast beef sandwich, roast beef, stout, you know, you got your roasted barley, brown malt, uh, brown ale. You know, some chocolate malt, some caramel malt. Um, Think of, in other words, think of these signature flavors for the beer style that you intend to brew. And um, those are going to be your signature malts. Now, your base malt is going to be anywhere from 75% to, say, 90% of your grain bill. Or 100. Uh, Yeah, or 100, you know, for the lighter styles. That's exactly right. but in you know in some of the uh, other styles we mentioned like you know some your um, your brown ales you know your amber ales even your IPAs um, it's going to be somewhere between seventy five and ninety and then you're going to have about ten percent of a particular signature malt if it's such as roast barley or chocolate malt or what have you um, and then from there you may want to bring 
um, some accent malts into play. And these, in terms of a sandwich, would be like your mustard or your slice of tomato or some onions or something like that. Something to add, you know, some accent flavors to that sandwich, you know, broaden those flavors. Well, same way in your beer, um, I'd be looking for like 5% by weight of some uh, accent malts, like maybe some biscuit malt or um, uh, like caramel 40 or caramel 20, depending on what style it is you're making. You know, just something to round out the malt flavors in that grain bill. Mm. So, you know, predominantly base malt, then a signature malt at around 10% by weight, you know, for that key flavor that you're looking for in that style. Mm-hmm. And then maybe another 5% of a specialty malt for accent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, you'd agree, Jamil, that, you know, most commercial beers are three malts maximum, maybe four, you know. Yeah, uh, but typically depends. three-ish right. or two-ish. Um, well, because, you know, sometimes simpler is better. Um, yeah. And... and, and one of the things, you know, using your sandwich analogy, um, I've always found that, you know, the better sandwiches, the better burgers, things like that, they taste great because the quality of the basic ingredients. You know, yeah. you can have a stunning uh, cheeseburger with just the bun, the meat, and the cheese. Yeah. Uh, you can have a stunning sandwich that's two slices of bread, some turkey, some cheese, and you know mustard yeah if the quality of the the the, the bread is fantastic and everything's fresh and you've chosen carefully then i think you know that in and of itself can make it for a great sandwich or a great beer you know uh, a really high quality um you know pilsner malt can make a great german pilsner Uh, oh yeah a great can make a great bock you know, you don't necessarily need additional ingredients. And I th- I think the tendency for a lot of people is to overdo it. You see all these ingredients and you think, well, oh, yeah. I want to use this. I want to use that. And I see a lot of recipes where somebody's throwing in a quarter ounce of, of this or a quarter <laughs> ounce of that. And unless it's like a something fairly intense, like a, you know, a roasted barley or some sort of smoke malt or something – it's really just lost, and you're just kind of muddying up the, the flavors versus um, yeah. really defining them well. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, do, you know, five, six, seven malts trying for complexity. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's not really where complexity comes from. Mm-hmm. It, complexity has its you, – you can't have complexity without balance. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I wholeheartedly agree that uh, many times simpler is better. You know, quality is number one. Get that, get that high quality base malt. Um, add, you know, a signature flavor if you're doing a, a one of the darker styles, like the roast barley for a stout, or chocolate malt for a porter or something like that. And then a little accent malt, you know, depending on what the complexity of the style. Like porter, you know, you'd add five percent of caramel to your to your chocolate malt, mm-hmm. and maybe a little. Uh, and you might you might switch that up a little bit, maybe like two five percent malts, um, a dark crystal like a one twenty, and uh, another crystal like a forty or sixty, just to get you know some uh, some more complex flavors in that particular style. But in general, simpler is better. 
mm-hmm. go for quality. Um, well, a lot of times I see people, you know, adjusting things just to hit a specific um, measurement, you know, from a style guide or something like that. And it's like, oh, well, yeah. all the color needs to be this. And, um, and you'll see that, especially on hops. Uh, oh yeah, they're like, yeah. oh no no no, uh, that's I, I need this you know extra quarter ounce or, you know I need I need to do this because it won't be the right um, uh, IBUs. And it's like, well you know the IBU measurements are kind of not realistic anyways. Right. You know what you're doing from the, your calculator is not in fact what's going to end up in the beer, and um, and it's more a measure of what you're putting into your recipe to give you yeah. a relationship between your recipes yeah i'm going to talk about bitterness units versus gravity units in the next section okay because uh, that's a very good that's a very good area too mm-hmm. but um i think when it comes to your grain bill and planning your grain bill um you know consider consider your malt space uh consider you know the your x y and z axes of a cube um these three axes would be, you know, your base malt, your caramel malts, which give you sweetness or more sweetness. And then you've got your toast and roasted malts. You know, anything, everything from um, amber malts like biscuit um, up into pale chocolate, chocolate, roast barley, black patent, you know, where you're going for a drier um, and more color, you know, to that, to the beer. Um, but if you you picture those three axes, the base versus the caramel versus the toast and roast, you can start picturing in your mind um, how these three aspects of malt flavor can enhance each other and play off each other. And again, that's you know keeping your grain bill kind of simple keeping these proportions in mind uh, and trying not adding everything in, you know, in the, into the kitchen sink there, um, it can help you build a, a nice round malt flavor for your, for your beer. So does that, does that make sense? Can you visualize what I'm talking about there? Uh, yeah, sure. Sure. Um, I, think- I guess the question is, can Taylor, <laughs> or porno steve is over. yeah 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 can so you, okay you quiz time porno steve. no yeah. no <laughs> <laughs> you're saying you're pretty much saying just don't overcomplicate things sometimes simpler is better right uh you know don't don't put too many malts into the mix um but at the same time you know can you can you picture um uh you know the the bready um warm bread kind of base malt flavors versus the sweeter caramel malt flavors versus mm-hmm. the drier toast and mm-hmm. roast uh, flavors from roast, you know, toasted and roast malts. You know, can you see how each of those factors would play off each other? Say mm-hmm. for like an English bitter, you know. Yeah. Um, well, and you know, I, I don't want people to get the impression that you know all those flavors need to be present in every beer. True. Um, right. You know, in some beers, you you lean more towards one side of the uh, uh, of the 
uh, malt space. Yeah, malt space. You 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 move, uh, you know, more towards uh, roasty, toasty, and dry in the in the stouts, but not caramelly. You you move more towards the caramel and less away from the roast in like a British uh, pale. You move uh, more towards uh, just the bready in a, you know a, a pilsner. Right. Um, so uh, it they're not all always present, or you know sometimes if they are present, it's very subtle, and sometimes it's, it's bold, and and something smack dab in the middle is more like maybe a porter, brown ale. Yeah, yeah. You know, where you where you do tend to get kind of an equal equal contributions mm-hmm. in from those three. Where you yeah. get them all. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, again, there's that's why what I'm trying to, to convey is the idea of uh, balance, symmetry, complementary flavors, you know, to build this overall uh, malt character. Again, as you say, depending on your style, maybe that that balance is going to be towards the base malt side or it's going to be, you know, somewhere in that malt space you know for that particular style okay we also touched on um bitterness and how bitterness impacts your uh your beer and um in designing great beers ray daniels brought up the the bitterness versus bitterness units versus gravity units ratio and that really is a very useful concept um the and what you're doing is you're saying, you know, how much bitterness does this beer going to have versus its original gravity? Um, the original gravity giving at least one measure of how much res- uh, residual sweetness there will be after fermentation. Um, you could also do it by final gravity, but we've always done it by original gravity. And... Let's do this. Um, let's uh, take a short break. I want to tell you about uh, Moonlight Meadery. They've got uh, uh, they've been a longtime supporter of the Brewing Network, and now they're looking to bring uh, Michael Fairbrother's Braggots, especially his Russian Imperial Stout Braggot, to market. Mm. Uh, you can help them get started by joining their Lunar Society, which includes twelve Society-only mead releases. Uh, four society only braggots, a hooded sweatshirt, and pair of tasting glasses. I've never needed glasses to taste. You know, I'm, I, my vision's pretty darn good. I can see <laughs> what I'm tasting. Just, <laughs> but you know, as for for those of you who need it, or maybe they're safety glasses. I've never quite understood what uh, tasting mm. glasses were. Uh, hooded sweatshirt, pair of tasting glasses, plus discounts and much more. Uh, to learn more and to join the Lunar Society Club, check out Moonlight Meadery at moonlightmeadery.com. That's moonlightmeadery.com. Uh, yeah, let's take a short break and, and we'll continue in on the uh, the interesting t- subject of uh, gravity and the relationship to original gravity. My thoughts on that, uh, the hop selection, things like that. Why, right when we return after this. Mm-hmm. 
If you work in retail sales, the restaurant industry, or are a new craft beer enthusiast, or you know someone who is, you have got to check out Beer 101. Beer 101 is an online course created for anyone wanting a quick introduction to the vast world of craft beer. Beer 101 covers the history of beer, brewing ingredients and processes, vital stats like ABV, SRM, IBU and gravity, styles, tasting, glassware, and pairing beer with food. The Beer 101 course is offered by the Brewers Association at craftbeer.com, also home to the truly awesome Beer Style Finder, a visual guide to every beer style. Quickly play with color, bitterness, and alcohol content to interactively explore the entire world of beer styles with a gorgeously designed interface to your favorite beverage. The new Beer 101 course and new Beer Style Finder are only available at craftbeer.com. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. First Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Are you a member of the White Labs Customer Club? If not, you should be. It's the easiest way to earn free stuff for turning in your old homebrew labels from either vials or pure pitch. All you have to do is save your labels and redeem them for things like free yeast an exclusive White Labs t-shirt or sweatshirt, and even the opportunity to brew with the yeast man himself, Chris White. Signing up is easy. Just go to whitelabs.com slash customer club, fill out the registration form, and then mail in your labels. They will return the favor by sending you awesome White Labs swag. Go sign up today at whitelabs.com slash customer club. White Labs, pure yeast and fermentation since 1995. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. 
Yeah. So we were talking about uh, uh, Ray Daniels and the the, the concept of the uh, bitter into gravity ratio, which I was always a fan of as well. I know that people have uh, argued that, well, it doesn't really convey what the final character of the beer is. I mean, if you use a lot more you know, crystal malt or something like that, or if you, you know, you have a sweeter yeah, character but... to the beer, the yeast you've used, um, you know, it's, and it's like any of the other things. I mean, you're... It's a you're, guideline. Yeah. Exactly. And you're, re, you're relying on, uh, you know, formulas for calculating the amount of IBUs anyways that are not necessarily uh, 100% correct. Um, right, right. You know, for the for the final gravity you act, or bittering you actually get in the beer. Um, so, yeah, I, I I've always liked that and have used it uh, to, yeah. especially when you're you're looking at, okay, you know, I've got this beer. I'm, you know, it's sort of related in a certain way, um, and I want to make a different beer, but. I want to, you know, make it a little bit more bitter, a little more sweet. And then, you know, that gives you an idea of how to balance those numbers out. There's an actual right. formula for that. For what? Bitterness? Yes. Uh, there's several of them, and they... They're models. They're, they're yeah. models, yeah. It yeah. Gives you, they're baselines, because you can't right. really, I mean... Whatever you do, just pick one and use the same one always. Never switch to another one. Because otherwise, all your points of reference, all the times you brewed in the past and thought, yeah. oh, this isn't bitter enough. Or go elsewhere. Bitter, yeah. Then all of a sudden, those don't apply. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you'd start from scratch again. So there's arguments as to which one's better than another. They're all... But um, it's all subjective because... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just... So none of them are precise, but yeah. as Jamil yeah. says, you know, pick one, be consistent, yeah. and then you'll have a frame of reference. Just, yeah. yeah. The, the type of yeast you're using, the amount of yeast you pitched, you know, a lot of these things affect the actual IBUs that remain in the beer at the end. And an IBU is not necessarily an IBU. The, the, the flavor... I could make a really bitter beer that doesn't taste very bitter. I can make a much less bitter beer that tastes extremely bitter. It all depends on the character of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Water, um, just the, the other ingredients. Because uh, it all goes used. into, yeah. There's, how, it, it's, yeah. And what I, kind of bitterness that is. Didn't somebody recently do an article on uh, how IBU isn't an IBU anymore? Yeah, we've we've had a couple on the, both the technical quarterly from the MBAA as well as the uh, ASBC journal. So and, I thought uh, that uh, yeah, I, I, and I've always believed that it's like well, yeah. you know, you you can have a soft, gentle bittering, and you can have a harsh, biting bittering. Can someone just there, make like yeah. a like a strip <laughs> with numbers on it, and you All just right. and you just lick it? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, yep, there it is. You, <laughs> it's about you, there. Well, I think, what I think a, LSD what I comes that way. About. Yes. <laughs> what I wanted to talk about in yeah. terms of the bitterness unit to gravity units is that if you if you plot the style guide ranges from the BJCP style guidelines, um, roughly 50% of the styles, of the beer styles, and this includes everything from English bitters to American pale ales to, um, you know, pilsners and, and you know, the, just the, the real popular styles. Mm-hmm. They typically have a bitterness to gravity ratio of about 
uh, one and one to two. That is half the bitterness versus the original gravity points. So, for example, 20 IBUs for a gravity of 1040 original gravity. About half of the beer styles fall into that category. Um, now, your more bitter beers, your IPAs and so on, um, and in the higher end of American Pale Ale, um, those will tend to be like in the three to four ratio. 30 IBUs for a 40 um, original gravity or 60 IBUs for a 1080 original gravity. Mm-hmm. It's not until you get up to like a, a double IPA where you start approaching that one-to-one range, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 80 IBUs for a 1080 gravity. Um and then, of course, you also have your very, your sweeter styles where um, it's a 10 IBUs for a 1040 gravity kind of thing, a 1 to 4 ratio. But these – so the bitterness unit to gravity unit ratio is a good um, benchmark, you know, for thinking – for a for thinking about how what kind of styles you like, and you know, and f- helping you formulate your recipe in terms of its bitterness to gravity. Um, just again, general guideline. Um, this is one way of measuring uh, the beer, but it, I think it's a useful benchmark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's one that I've, I've. Uh I think I always included that in my uh, BYO articles uh, nice. when I was doing uh, uh, the uh, ranges of. Uh, yeah, I actually, I'm pretty, I'm certain I did. Um, yeah, and uh, I think you know things get down to about uh, you know point uh, two five. They get up to about one. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it's rare that anything gets over one, although. Yeah. But people um, try. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Well, and how about, uh, you know, what kind of uh, considerations do you have for the the types of hops, the, uh, uh, you know, just throw a bunch in? I mean, how do you select your hops? What do you recommend for people on, on uh, your recipe formulas? Yeah. Well, um, there's a lot to be said for, you know, single malt, single hop uh experimental beers i mean to help you learn flavors you know learn how what a particular hop tastes like and so on but i think when it comes to actually formulating a recipe um i i tend to like hops in groups of three you know uh three varieties um and getting those varieties to kind of play off each other a little bit um you know, Cascade, you know, classic, you know, citrus uh, hop. Um, and then maybe play play that off of um, something a little newer, like some Galaxy or uh, Citra, you know, to bring in a little tropical fruit character to complement the citrus. And then maybe throw in um, a more herbal hop variety, you know, to give uh, some, you know, some, some depth out another way. So... I when I'm doing my recipes, I generally like to use you know three hop varieties. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's four, but I'm trying to get that that you know interaction between the different hop varieties, um, especially in the more aromatic you know and flavorful hop beers like I pale ales and IPAs. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, 
uh, or conversely, I, perhaps I should say, when I'm doing a malty beer like porter or a stout or a brown ale, um, you know, I li- nowadays I really like to back off on the hops and, you know, maybe use just one bittering addition and really let those malts shine through. Um, not everything should be hopped like an IPA. You know, if you're doing a malty style, um, you know, don't don't cover up that malt character with with hop flavor. Um, you know, do your bittering addition, maybe a very light, you know, whirlpool addition to get some aroma, but you know, not you know, not two ounces, maybe you know, just a half an ounce, something that gets a little bit of aroma. Don't don't cover up those malt characters. Mm-hmm. Um, as home brewers with, you know, so much access to ingredients and relative, you know, inexpensive them, um, it's tempting to overhop everything. Mm-hmm. But I think in terms of recipe development, you know, practice some restraint and uh, give the malts a chance to shine. Yeah, I'd agree there. You know, a malty beer is about malt, not about hops. And it drives me up the wall that people are... Adding, you know, late hop additions to, you know, certain beers. It's like a Doppelbach with a bunch of late hops. It's like, yeah, don't think so. Right, Uh, right. um, And, you know, it's it's the, well, it's an American style of beer. I'm going to, uh, you know, make an American uh, Doppelbach, and I'm going to dry hop it with, uh, you (laughs) know, 50 pounds of mosaic. I'd be like, oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's fine to, to have creativity, absolutely. But yeah, have I fun think, with it. But yeah, still, you know, if you're trying to make a certain type of beer, there's there's a reason that those beers became so popular and became uh, defined styles. So, um, yeah, you got to just keep that in mind. There's been this what you're doing. trend lately, yeah. uh, at least in a couple breweries in SF yeah. around where I live, of um, throwing citra hops in a stout. Uh, yeah, and sure. it, yeah, no, it drives me up a wall i'm like this no (laughs) because i love stouts it's like one of my favorite styles of beer but i'm like this is not supposed to be citrusy in any way like just knock that off right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's um you know sometimes sometimes recipes are designed strictly for more for marketing or for you know, ideas yeah. than they are for really solid, val- you know, valid. For uh, the sake of being different, drinking. right? Yeah, for the, trying to be different, trying to create something new. Yeah, yeah the wow factor. Yeah. yeah, and trying to wow, wow people or interest people, which yeah, you really can't blame um, you know the brewers these days because you're competing yeah. with seven thousand other breweries. And uh, it becomes, you know, very difficult, not to mention the imports as well. Um, you know, it's it's difficult to get people to drink just a really well-made stout. You know, they need to do something to it, you know. And then also yeah. you got to add lactose. you got to, you know, uh, burn some Peruvian wood in it. And you've got it's to, all been, uh, Yeah, it's all know. been done before, right? Like Right. So, so... And I think, you know, homebrewers tend to do that, too. And absolutely, um, you know, it's an opportunity for creativity. Just, um, you know, when somebody doesn't like your 
your lactose stout with uh, Peruvian punk wood, um, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, toss that idea and try again. Well, yeah. Yeah. Milkshake IPAs. <clears throat> Milkshake IPAs, right, right. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, if you want to read about great recipe ideas and things like that, the AHA is a great resource. They've got, you know, the Zymer G magazine. There's always great recipes in there. Oh, great, yeah. Great brewing ideas. Uh, and right now there's a promo code on, uh, active between now and the end of the year. It is uh, BN2018, BN2018. Uh, you input that on the Brewing Network site, and you are going to uh, in the Join Now portal. You click uh, Join Now, the AHA, from the BN site. The BN gets a little cut of that, and uh, you also get a um, free copy of a book. You can choose uh, Wild Brews, Farmhouse Sales, and I think Brewing Classic Styles, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Uh so you get your free book, the, the BN gets a little slice of the action, and uh, you get a great membership in a great organization that helps uh, promote great home brewing and uh, teaches you things, advocates for home brewers, all the goodies that come along with membership. Um, let's do this. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll wrap up with uh, Recipe Design uh, by John Palmer right after this. Brewing Great Beer is a process of continuous learning, and the best books on every aspect of brewing can be found at Brewers Publications, with more than 50 awesome titles like Modern Homebrew Recipes by Gordon Strong, Designing Great Beers, The Ultimate Guide to Brewing Classic Beer Styles by Ray Daniels, American Sour Beers, Innovative Techniques for Mixed Fermentations by Michael Tonsmeyer, For the Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture of Hops by Stan Hieronymus and Radical Brewing Recipes, Tales, and World Altering Meditations in a Glass by Randy Mosher, plus many, many more. These are the books and the authors with the knowledge to push your brewing farther than you thought possible. And you'll find them all at fine homebrew and book retailers everywhere. And visit the website at BrewersPublications.com. Brewers Publications, all the best on beer and brewing. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a brew. Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. Right, we're back. And, you know, once you uh, come up with that great recipe, brew that beer, package it up, you should finish it off with a sweet label. You're putting all this effort into your beer. You should put a little effort into your into your packaging. You know, it affects people's perception of the quality of your beer. If you've, uh, like, written it on a, on a scrap of toilet paper and tied it on with some dental floss uh, to your body, or you put a nice professional-looking label on there, People are affected by the appearance of things. And well, I'd, I'd be interested in perception. that. Right. Well, check out <laughs> dental floss and uh, toilet paper. Wait, what's, okay, what's up with this thing? Right. Slip yours into a used condom. Is that what you're saying? No, no. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, Grog Tags, your one-stop homebrew customization shop. They have it all from reusable beer and wine labels to durable metal signs, high-quality coasters. Everything is customizable. So get creative over on grogtag.com with over hundreds of templates, and we'll print it up on high-quality materials, ship it out to you. It's easy. Check out grogtag.com today and use the code BNARMY to save yourself 10% on your next order. That's grogtag.com, and the offer code is BNARMY army and that gets you 10 percent off on some sweet labels that uh, will make your stuff look great grog tag it just may be the best thing about your beer <laughs> <laughs> that's a great slogan <laughs> <laughs> that's good john that's good <laughs> thanks uh, yeah I'm, hey taylor i think i think he's speaking to you i don't know yeah yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> no doubt. How do, well, no doubt, that's well, right. How did the other one work out? You did, you did the stout, and then what? You didn't you do one before the pale? Yeah. The, so the Schwartz beer came out. Yeah. Um, it's a little black licoricey. Huh. But otherwise, right. It's pretty good. It just came out a little sweet. Huh. Interesting. Which I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Is there a licorice character to it? Yes. So it could be infected with some. It's not wild super yeast. strong. It's subtle. Do you think that's an infection? I don't... Uh, you could be referring to some phenolic character. Yeah. Which I would think would come from a, a wild yeast. Okay. I don't. Know. Yeah, that could be. Without tasting, yeah. I can't. I can't tell you. I'll bring that too. That would be all right. Great. I'm really looking forward to these. You should send your beer into Doctor Homebrew. I should. That'd be fun. <laughs> Did this come in? MJP be like, what "The fuck is this? What is this?" <laughs> All right, uh, let's get back to. Uh... Yeah, let's wrap this up. Um, right. We've basically got three points remaining mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to recipe design. One, of course, um, is your yeast consideration. Mm-hmm. Very important. And I think in so many instances, uh, keep it simple, stupid, is, you know, your guiding light, your, your main guideline. Um, brew, home brewers, especially, you know, we're, we're 
interested in trying seven different malts and seven different hop varieties and and then we you know try, do multiple yeast strains as well um and when it comes to yeast and fermentation uh, i think the real mantra should be ferment better not faster not cheaper ferment better and very often that comes down to you know having a well cared for you know single strain uh yeast that you've you know you've purchased or and started or built up to you know uh, a good pitching rate um no contamination and you know ferment that beer better uh is should be your your guiding your guideline okay and then uh what about water well, water considerations, um, you know, in I yeah I, I kind of hate this uh, guideline, but it is pretty true, and that is you know good water, good tasting water will generally make good tasting beer. Mm-hmm. There are a couple things you know that as you get more into water, you have to understand, you know, and that it includes things such as getting you know the chlorine out uh, or chloramine. Um, either with uh, carbon filtration or sodium metabisulfite. Mm-hmm. Um, if you start adjusting your water to suit the style, um, if you're in, a, in, a, in an area with surface water, very low mineral water, that water is pretty um, easy to work with. You can brew most any style uh, with it. Um, it's very forgiving. When you get into high mineral waters with high alkalinity, this is when water becomes a little more complicated. And that wa- that kind of water, high alkaline water, is best for dark beers. That way the alkalinity is balanced by the acidity of the malts in your grain bill. Um, so my general water recommendation is... Um, Look for a low to medium uh, mineral water to, to brew with. Those are the most forgiving. Um, low is anything 50 ppm or less. Medium concentrations are 50 to 100 ppm. Um, when you go over 100, that's when you start running into issues that you've got to deal with as a brewer. And to learn more about that, I point you towards how to brew. Right. Uh, I cover that in more detail there. Well, and uh, one one little warning I'd give as well is, you know, don't go to the extreme the other way. A lot of times people yes. get RO water and then they just brew with that and they're like, oh, I need to add minerals to it. It's like, well, yeah, you can't just use RO water. That's equally as bad as using high mineral water. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. RO water beers tend to taste kind of watery. Mm-hmm. They just don't have the body the and what I, what I call mineral structure that backs up the flavors of the beer, and in how to brew, I have a thing called the brew cube that helps you understand how water parameters read relate to style parameters. Softer beers like Kolsch and Pilsner and um, um, beers like that, you know, tend to be made with low mineral water to make for softer flavors. Uh, more aggressive beers, American Pale Ale, 
uh, IPA tend to be with, made with higher mineral waters to really support those hop and malt flavors. Um, so there's, that's another aspect of water and flavor um, that, again, you, it's easier to read about and how to brew than to try to explain in two minutes on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on, the brewing process, um, of course, you know, how you, how you make your wort um, in the case of all grain and how you, you know, how you create that wort is, is a very important factor, too, as to how that beer is going to come out. You know, it is, it's essentially um, the, the, it's the cooking of the beer, which in my five priorities is number three, right after fermentation. Um, and again, I think I want to emphasize, keep it simple. Most beer styles can be made quite well with single infusion. Um, you can get more complicated with your mashes. You can do multi-step infusion. You can do multiple temperature rests, direct heat. You can do decoction mashing if you want. Um, that's fine from a hobby point of view, but especially when you're trying to dial in a new recipe or brew a new style for the first time, uh, you know, keep it simple. And I think you'll have better success. Uh, there's less, less points for, you know, or less, um, steps for things to go wrong. Uh, if you keep it to simpler methods, um, Water to grist ratio, something, you know, common, one and a half to two quarts per pound. This corresponds to three to four liters per kilogram. That's um, very good water to grist ratio for your mashes. We had a, had a question come in to Bruce Strong just the other day. Uh, someone asking us to talk about uh, water to grist ratio as a topic and how manipulating that can affect the brewing. Well, the short answer is that is a very small factor uh, for how the beer will turn out. Um, it's it's more important as a consideration for really engineering your volumes and grain weights and and production volumes in a production setting and get dialing those things in for good of for good you know, uh, I guess business efficiency. But when it comes to uh, creating a recipe and, and dialing in beer flavor, it's it's really a smaller part of the consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, and last point in the brewing process uh, harks back to our, our founding father, Charlie Perpazian. Uh, you know, relax, don't worry. Um, we tend to we tend to really get into detail on brewing you know brewing uh processes ingredients and so on but it's very important to be able to take a step back look at the big picture and put all of this in perspective um so in recipe design keep it simple don't overcomplicate things um your yeast management very important temperature management very important um good fermentation uh, you know, all of these things are key to uh, producing a good beer. And uh, so don't get too wrapped up in the details, bitterness units, the gravity units, water adjustments, so on. Uh, you know, keep some perspective on the whole process. Yep. I would agree with all that. Um, 
Yeah, don't overcomplicate it. All right. Good show. Thanks for sharing that with us, uh, John. And uh, I think uh, people have a much better grasp now of, you know, fundamentally, how does a recipe come together? What what things should you be focused on? I think that's very useful. And if you like having useful information given to you for free, I would suggest you check out our fine sponsors, uh, especially BlickmanEngineering.com. Go to BlickmanEngineering.com. Check out all the goodies they have there. Make sure to email John Blickman at uh, feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com. Let him know that you appreciate his uh, support of the show. And uh, you can also help support the Brewing Network by going to TheBrewingNetwork.com. Check out the store there. There are lots of goodies in the store. Uh, you can get, uh, you know, hats and hoodies and uh, all sorts of other gear with the Brewing Network logos on them. And uh, any purchase you make there goes direct to the bottom line of the Brewing Network and helps keep all the shows on the air. And, um, yeah, and I would say other than that, uh, Bruce Strong, everybody. Bruce Strong. 